Hey, corn growers. Welcome back to Keeping It Independent, a podcast brought to you by Wiffles Hybrids. I am Eric Wilson, agronomy manager. And today I'm joined by Brent Tharp, our technical product manager who resides uh, in Geneseo. Uh, so for today's topics, they all kind of center around, I'll say, drought. Uh, we've got some spotty rain over the weekend. Uh, we're continuing to get plenty of heat uh, and GDU accumulation. In fact, uh, I believe we'll talk about it later, but all of our planting dates, uh, especially in the northwest part, of our regions are uh, tracking ahead for GDU accumulation. Like I said, we've got some spotty rains, well below average rainfall uh, for many areas during the months of April and May. And that weather outlook remains hot and dry, uh, at least for the 10 day forecast. And then we are gonna talk about lightning bugs and uh, what that means for corn pests coming, uh, coming into June early. So first off, uh, last this last weekend, uh, we got some rainfall, very spotty across the geography. Um, if you received any of that rainfall, I would count yourself very, very fortunate as many areas, uh, probably some of the areas that needed it the most, got very little of that rain, uh, especially along uh, north of the I-72 corridor in Illinois. Those showers were very spotty coming into Iowa. Brent, what should we expect uh, to see in those dry areas. First off, let's just think about what stage the corn is in right now. Most of the corn is in what we call the rapid growth phase. V5 for later planting dates all the way up to V8 or 9 in some of the very early planting dates down south. So uh, corn is in that rapid growth phase. It's putting on accumulating a lot of uh, dry matter or leaf tissue you know, this is where we're starting to, the corn will start to stretch out. And uh, once we get into V7, V8 and beyond, that's where our inner nodes start uh, stretching out and we, we get plant height that way. So uh, we're in that phase. So I would say corn in the dry areas, it's going to continue to, de- to develop. It's a, a heat driven plant. It will continue to go through its development, but its growth is going to be limited where the moisture is limited. So when you think about development versus growth, development is like, you know, our leaf stages. Each leaf stage is a development stage. Growth is how big is the plant? How much leaf area are we putting on? How much stretching in between those inner nodes are we getting or between those nodes? So, you know, these corn plants in most areas have handled our dry weather so far pretty well, but we've had smaller plants and the, the water that the plants needed, you know, was fairly minimal to where now that we're starting to get bigger plants and more green tissue, uh, the water that that corn plant needs is, is really going to start to increase. Now it all maxes out and the impact of drought is, is more severe during pollination, but we're kind of setting the stage for that. So if, if you think about root development, uh, corn will not, corn roots won't grow in just dry soil. They need some moisture in that soil. So I think we've got the first few nodes of roots in a lot of these places out and they're down and they're kind of following that moisture line. Some of these later nodes of roots are probably going to hit a wall here. Uh, The fields that are at most risk, basically the ones that have received little to no rainfall since planting, or fields that the root growth has been restricted. So I always say that water covers a lot of sin and uh, the sins of planting are kind of showing up. So any kind of compaction or 
or sidewall smearing that occurred is really restricted to the root growth. And that's where you're probably seeing uh, fields that are rolled the most. These plants are living off of subsoil moisture. So that's important. And I think uh, maybe I think there's been some areas where we've seen cover crops probably mm -hmm. suck some of that moisture out. It's a benefit in some years, but in this kind of situation, it, it can be a detriment. Uh, I'll just also say we've had dry Junes in the past. There's a poor relationship between a dry June and uh, below trend line yields. It's really a dry or hot July and August. Now, usually our true drought years are characterized by a dry June, but it's followed by a dry July and August. So if we can get a weather pattern busting through here again, we can still, you know, have pretty good corn on our hands. But I'll say I was very disappointed <laughs> this weekend. We got less than a tenth, so... Uh, some of this corn's going to start looking poor, I guess. I mean, and just to add on to that a little bit, Tharp, you know, when we talk about water use in particular early season, the range on that is quite wide, if I remember. So, you know, like, a, a, say, a, a V3 all the way up to a V12 corn plant, it can use anywhere from less than a tenth, I believe, up to about two tenths of water, depending on conditions. Uh, I mean, that's per, per acre per day. Yeah, we're definitely getting to the portion of that growing period where, where, where we're needing more. And I was, I was as disappointed as you. We were scheduled to get, I believe, three quarters of an inch at one point, and then it just kept dropping off and dropping off. And, and we ended up with uh, about a tenth here in, in Southeast Iowa. So Eric, I'm, I'll ask you, you're, you're the resident fertility expert. <laughs> With the dry weather, uh, what are you seeing out there from a fertility perspective and what should uh, folks be thinking about? So I see in the notes, you've got this labeled as let's talk a little fertility. So I'll, I'll do my best <laughs> to keep this, you know, short and brief as possible. Uh, but some of the things I have been noticing probably first and foremost is uh, potassium deficiency. And this, this really kind of ties back into what you were talking about earlier, Tharp, um, especially in some of those situations where we may be push planting conditions or uh, we did you know, dirt work field cultivator ran when it was a little wet. We got a compaction layer, say an inch to two inches down, maybe planted a little wet. And there's some, I'll say even minor sidewall compaction uh, in these situations is really showing up with some potassium, potassium deficiency. Um, now, do I think that's actually potassium deficiency? Probably not. In fact, I've pulled some soil samples on a couple fields that were showing it, uh, and they actually came back well within the range that you would want to grow, you know, optimum corn. Uh, it's, it's more of an artifact of that dry weather, right? So you have to have roots taking in water, actively transpiring, moving those nutrients into the plant whether it be potassium or nitrogen or anything else uh, in order to get what you need. So just the reduced transpiration rate, uh, the lack of water, all those things are kind of showing up in conjunction with anything that would inhibit uh, root growth and development to show some of these nutrient deficiency issues. Uh, another question that has come up, you know, should I continue to dump uh, money at this corn crop? Should I should I continue to side dress nitrogen with lack of water? Uh, first and foremost, I want to be very clear on this. Don't give up on this crop until it gives up, and and you will know when this crop gives up. Uh, I haven't seen anything 
seen anything to date that I would say has given up yet, especially in those drier areas uh, where we've we've missed rain for you know two three weeks now. Uh, when we start seeing things that are tightly rolled from dawn to dusk, you know that that's a pretty in pretty good indicator of some severe drought stress. Um, and then eventually, if that persists, those leaves will turn brown and, and you'll start to lose leaf tissue area, right? Like I said, don't give up on anything, uh, especially if you had planned, uh, I'll, I'll go back to the nitrogen applications. If you had plans to side dress nitrogen, continue to do that. Uh, but I do want to mention, you know, keep in mind best management practices for side dressing nitrogen. I, I do think urea is a pretty ch- poor choice, even with an inhibitor, uh, to apply at this point with lack of rain in the forecast. Uh, I would do my best to a- apply in some manner that gets that nitrogen, you know, into the ground or at least next to the base of the plant uh, so we can have some rapid uptake. If you are choosing to, you know, make an over-the-top like dry application, I would I would definitely look at something like uh, ESN, environmentally smart nitrogen. Uh, that's actually got a polymer coat on it that can give you uh, kind of a time release with with moisture uh, when it does come, uh, along with temperature. The the potassium deficiency. Sorry, I'm jumping around. I, I'm trying to keep this short, Tharp. I promise. <laughs> I'm trying. Hey, I rambled for my 10 minutes. (laughs) It's yeah, it's all right. The potassium deficiency thing. um, I see we got a note in here. Is there anything we can do to fix that? So, you know, I would say under normal situations, uh, normal rainfall periods, ample moisture around, if you are seeing a potassium deficiency, yeah, there, there probably is something uh, that we could do to alleviate that or help it in the interim. Um, things like potassium thiosulfate in a wide drop application, I have seen work very, very well. That being said, with the dry weather, I don't know that that's going to give you the benefit that you're hoping for uh, without the moisture in there in the ground to take it up. A lot of this is drought-induced potassium deficiency. Yeah, yep. And like you said, it's, it's not a soil deficiency. It's just that the plant hasn't been able to access it. So it's a plant deficiency and it's hard to really fix that if the drought continues. Yep. Yep. I will say that's a good plug for, uh, you know, making sure ahead of time, making sure that you have soil, uh, potassium levels where they need to be. I will say that that can help you, uh, no pun intended, weather some of these drought situations better than if your soil is already a little bit on that low side. So something to keep in mind in the future. Okay, Eric, uh, let's just jump into corn rootworm activity. Uh, Where are we at in their life cycle? And again, what should we be expecting? Yeah, so uh, we've definitely seen uh, lightning bugs uh, the last few weeks, probably longer than I uh, remember. Tharp, you know, I know this is one of your favorite pastimes to go frolic in the meadow under the moonlight and catch lightning bugs. Uh, in case you guys didn't know that about Tharp, but, uh, <laughs> what, what, what that means is, you know, usually when we start seeing lightning bugs, that is a pretty good indicator that the rootworm hatch is, is started or, you know, is, is continuing to happen, especially in Illinois. Uh, I can't remember the, the, the stat that, uh, Ryan told me the other day, but, uh, I, I believe, uh, one of the one of the people at University of Illinois, uh, I believe it was Cider, uh, said that corn rootworm hatch should be well over half at this point. Uh, do you remember that statistic, Tharp? Did, did he talk to you about this? 
I don't know this the statistics, but just kind of looking at growing degree accumulations, we're ahead uh, still. And again, insects, rootworm. Yeah, you know it's driven by heat, so we're on. We, yeah. we are we are well on track. Um, I, I know many people have uh, found some. You know, uh, dug dug roots up, found some, floated them, found some larvae already. Um, the kind of one, two double whammy punch that we have going against us this year is corn rootworm love dry conditions. So we've had uh, a very dry end of May, mid to end of May. Now going into June, we're dry. Um, that would lead us to expect very good survival for any corn rootworms that have hatched. Um, the, the sticky part about that is, you know, these corn plants need every available root hair possible and root to take up as much water as they, they can get. And unfortunately, we, we expect to probably see some pretty heavy corn rootworm feeding in some of these dry areas, especially if they have been known problem areas in the past. So uh, I would encourage people to get out there and start digging roots, floating them, uh, looking for larvae and, and get start building some estimates on some feeding pressure for this year. Um, we, we, as always, we have sticky traps available to catch the adults when they emerge at pollination time. Uh, and that's going to help you predict corn rootworm pressure for next year. Um, some more insects to talk about uh, if I haven't used up all my time, but uh, I, I am still hearing some reports of true armyworm feeding in the northern areas. Uh, I would tell people that uh, we need to be out, we need to be scouting for those regardless of what trait package you are running. Um, and especially in fields with heavy residue or cover crops, uh, maybe some situations where we've, we've planted some rye, uh, we're going to come back with uh, late planting of corn after we've, we've cut that rye off. A uh, couple of situations I've come across where uh, guys have mowed hay, um, which didn't make it rain, unfortunately. Uh, you know, usually we knock hay down in the spring and it starts raining, but uh, guys mowed hay and, and they actually had, you know, they, they moved from that hay field to an adjacent uh, cornfield and, and started feeding on that adjacent cornfield. So uh, in those areas where you have those situations of heavy residue cover crops, uh, anything that's going to provide good cover for those true army worms, we need to be out scouting for those and, and, uh, make applications for sure uh, of insecticide if, if the feeding is, is bad enough. All right, Tharp, now I've, I've gone on long enough. So uh, we're, we're getting fairly close to fungicide season, probably a lot closer than we realize. Uh, when are we going to start seeing some tassels based on some of these planting dates? You know, it's, it is dependent on planting date and uh, rainfall temperature, hybrid maturity, just to kind of give some rough estimates, if you look at early, that very early planted, April planted corn, uh, you should probably start seeing tassels the first week of July. So we might see some 4th of July tassels on that uh, Easter, before Easter planted corn down in our southern areas. Mid-April planted, it goes into the second week of July. And then your early, early to mid-May, we're talking the second to third week of July is kind of what we're on track for. Yeah, they'll be popping out before we know it. And again, you know, by that time, uh, you'll know more what that corn crop's looking like. And as far as your investment in a fungicide, but at this time, I would say we just need to keep keep things going on as planned until, like you said, that the corn crop 
kind of tells us that that it's done so yep i i also like to remind you know you you touched on this earlier i think it's great great point uh the physiological changes you know don't don't be surprised if we maybe see tasseling a little earlier than expected uh, I've noticed this in previous years when we've had drought conditions early season. It, it kind of seems to just push everything along a little quicker, uh, especially when we're stacking heat in, in GDUs like we are with the reduced moisture. I think with that, uh, that's a wrap on this episode. Um, if you guys have any feedback, as always, we would love to hear it from you. And you can send those questions or feedback directly to us. Uh, to cover in future episodes. Again, that email is agronomy at wiffles.com. Thank you guys for listening. Stay safe out there and don't give up on your corn just yet. 